Aren't we blessed? Amen. Isn't this an awesome ministry? Awesome. This is yes. Woo-hoo. Praise God. This ministry is so awesome because the one thing that I can tell you in the years I've been here that people have seriously changed. And the purpose of Kingdom Life Ministries is we're not a church. We're not like your typical church. We're your we're a ministry. We're a ministry where Christ grows from the inside out. And as Christ is growing from the inside out, things are starting to change on the outside. So I love this. You don't do the things you used to do anymore. You actually have created in a relationship with Christ this light that starts pushing out the darkness. And, you know, sometimes it's a rough ride. Sometimes you're really experiencing stuff. I love Kathy's. I mean, Kathy, that was just awesome. She stuck something out because true deliverance, you are going to experience some suffering. You're going to experience some pain. But it doesn't have to be as bad as you just keep holding on. And this was Kathy's first experience of really being delivered from something. So when we, you hold on, right, Kim? When you hold on and you just let go because you can't do it anymore, he, man, his word never lies. His worth, word is the truth. And he has to come in and do what he says he's going to do. So tonight... One of the things that we've been working on is the spots. And now I know there's a lot of people who are new, so I'm going to do a little bit more basic information for you to understand. And as we grow in Christ and our relationship, he's going to remove some things from us. And you know what? In that, we suffer what's called an identity crisis. Has anybody ever heard of that, an identity crisis? Okay. So even though this tape is about rejection, tonight we're going to work at solving some of your identity crisis. So because we are to overcome by knowing who our true identity is. And until we can understand who our true identity is and what that really means, we're going to stay in the same place. We have to recognize that everybody walks through this door. We have an identity crisis. We think we know who we are. We think we know what we're to do. We think we know what jobs we're to be doing. We think we know all these things about ourselves. But when you come in here and the word starts entering I love that verse where the word is powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division between the soul and the spirit. It divides the understanding so that it can come together as one in understanding. So we have to recognize that our identity can be misplaced. And when we come in here, Christ is unveiling the truth. So we either, our identity is found in the world or our identity is found in Christ. And so a lot of people say, oh, I'm born again. I believe. You know, I'm good. And that's all that they, they don't really seek anything else. They just believe God's there for them. But we have an identity crisis because I'm, I'm probably not going to use that, unless you want to put it there. That's sweet. You're so sweet. <laughs> My identity crisis, right? Okay. <laughs> or we, we choose to live in the world. And what the world, what we think the world has for us. Todd, put on the screen John 15, 19. 15, 19. All right. John 15, 19. If you were, were, were of the world, the world would love its own. But yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. And we're going to start off with that scripture because we all believe in here that the word is true. And if Christ is in you, we start connecting with the word of God. And it is supposed to help what? 
change our understanding in our soul, what our understanding is of it. And I wanted to start off with the understanding that we walk in here with an identity crisis. We don't know all who we are. When you look at this chart over here with the little men, I love this chart because the first thing the Lord showed me in this chart was the top row. You're just, when you, when you accept Christ in your heart as a born again Christian and the light is on in you, the first row, you're realizing that God even loves you, that he even really wants to do something for you. And you still feel like you're in the world. Look, all the darkness around the light. That's a person who's living in the world. But yet they have this light in them of Christ that hasn't been formed, hasn't been matured, hasn't been nurtured, but it's there. When you go to the second row, I love this, as you start going through experiences and growing in Christ, as you get to the second row, you're now starting to learn who you are in Christ, that you have another identity. You have gifts that have already been given to you by God, and you start realizing, oh, there is a power in here in this Holy Spirit. And it communicates with me and it talks to me and it wants to show me things. And it reminds us, we start learning every step and every stage that we grow, that we, if you were of the world, which means we were never of the world. If you were, that's already stating that we were what? Not of the world. Isn't that awesome scripture? We can't get ourselves into the thinking of the world because we were never of the world. God sent us from the heaven. The Lord's prayer says that we're to bring heaven on earth. So we've got set down here to be in bodies to bring the heavenly things down on earth. Not just to have an eternal life, but to have an abundant life while we sit here on earth. Isn't that awesome? When we start getting that concept and believing the word, then the Holy Spirit can start changing. Things start changing in our lives. When we start realizing, I love it. If you were of the world, I just start laughing. Okay, that means I was never of the world. The world will love its own. You know, as we grow in Christ, we don't experience when somebody's not born again, you're not getting the positive elements of that person towards you if the light is in you. Because they just don't know that they're not of this world yet. And they're waited for their appointed time to understand that, wow, I'm not really of this world. And there is a born again spirit and it breathes and it's real. And it changes you from the inside out. Yet, yet, because when you realize it, yet, because you are not of this world, but I choose you out of this world. The moment, <laughs> the moment the Lord comes to you for your appointed conversion, he is going, boom, Priscilla, you are out of this world. I am now shifting you out and putting you in this new place, a new position, a new understanding. But you know what? When you take a new job and you take a new position, guess what? You've got to learn the place. You've got to learn this new home. You have to learn how it works. So therefore, the world's going to hate you. When you start talking and sticking up for the new company, right? Because you've got to be a good, loyal employee, right? You have to stick up for the company. When you start learning the truth of this new life of Christ in you, You've got to learn the new language. You've got to learn the handbook. You've got to learn the manual. You've got to learn the things. And we're to love the boss. We have to fall in love with the team. And we have to realize the team is real. The team protects us. The team's working with us. So when we identify with the world, we are, we are identifying with something that will fail us. 
when we connect with something of the world, come on, everybody's experienced it. I don't see any two people, anybody in here that hasn't connected with something and with the world and it failed you. Thinking that you had the job that you wanted and it failed you, but it might not have been the, God, the job God sent you to and it failed you. We have living, we are living in a performance-driven, an inform, a performance-driven world. In Christ, we, we start to learn that in his word and in his understanding that he does not fail us. It's an unfailing love that absorbs us. So praise God. We're going to talk about rejection tonight because the world, we have to deal with how it feels as we're growing that light in us and we have to get to the bottom row. You know what the bottom row is all about? If you notice in the bottom row, the light is filled in the head. The body is more full of the light. You are walking with the presence of God into such a fullness that now the people on the bottom row, they realize they're to help one another. They can actually reach their hand out and help another come to that place. So it's a walk of maturity. We have to grow up and mature in this walk with him. He just doesn't want us to have eternal life. He wants us to have the abundant life. He wants us to know that he loves us always and that he wants to teach us who we are and what special skills we've been given for him. He wants to teach us the power that's within, how to connect it to the outside. And then finally, when you've reached, you've reached a place where you are so comfortable with that word, you are so confident and bold in him that now you actually can be used to help mature others. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't everybody want to get to that place? We want to get to that place. Praise God. Praise God. But with that said, we are going to start talking about rejection. Um, a past couple of weeks, we have been talking about soul ties and getting healed. We've done a lot of teachings on unforgiveness. We've talked about shame, but we really haven't honed in on rejection. So talking about our identity mis being misplaced that we are living in the world when we need to be living in Christ. Proverbs 19.2. I am sweating up here. <laughs> I do need water. It's not smart for me to wear a sweater. <laughs> it's okay. It'll be good. Yeah. All right. Proverbs 19.2. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he sins who hastens with his feet. Do you know in the world why I said we're, we're a performance-driven world, right? So when we're in the world, what are we doing with our feet? Hastening. We are moving to figure out what we're doing, and we're thinking we're getting ahead. But it's not good for the soul. Yeah, oh, that's good. It is not good for the soul to be without knowledge because we all know we perish for lack of knowledge in him. So isn't this awesome? We're supposed to spend time gaining knowledge of the world because if we're not, we're hastening our feet and we are moving into a, a, um, a performance-driven world, which, which will fail us. It is not good for the soul to be without that knowledge and sin. Sin means to miss the mark. When you are hastening with your feet, you are missing the mark. You are headed towards the wrong path. When we are to get the knowledge, we have to start gaining knowledge. We are marked to be complete in Christ, spirit, soul, body. And, you know, it goes with that order. First, it starts with the spirit. Then the knowledge has to come into the soul. And then the power of that truth starts to what? Manifest through the body. All right. Knowledge gives us understanding 
of what's holding us back. The knowledge truly gives us the understanding of what is really holding us back. If we are open to be hearers of the word, then we are opening ourselves to receiving the knowledge to understand what's really holding us back. And everybody in here has something holding them back because none of us are at our complete fullness. So we constantly have to examine ourselves and try to, through this word, receive and look for what is holding us back. Well, we have learned in this, in this ministry that what is holding us back from our maturity in Christ is unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. Those are the spots that we deal with on a daily basis. And you know what? It's not just one word unforgiveness. It's not just one word shame. It's not one word, you know, rejection. Unforgiveness has six other spots to deal with. Shame has eight other spots to deal with. Um, rejection has another six. So that's a lot of spots, right? There are a lot of things that we have to hone in on. So Ephesians 5.27, Ephesians 5.27. It says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So the word already tells us that he might present her, us, we are all hers. Isn't that awesome? We are all brides of Christ. So we are all in this relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but we're the bride. And it says, present her to himself a glorious church. We're not just to be a church for social. We're to be a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she be holy and without blemish. So we've got, we've got spots and wrinkles holding us back. Spots are things that we have to deal with. Wrinkles are the works that we're hastening our feet in the world. They've got to be worked out. So it's awesome. Ephesians tells us already that there are spots that we have to work out. If you can go to Revelation 19.7. Says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So the word tells us we have a responsibility that we have to make ourselves ready to receive him. We have a responsibility. Todd, James 127. James 127. <laughs> it says. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the what? World. Because why? We're not of this world. We never were. But yet we live in a world that we have to be careful that we're keeping ourselves unspotted from. So what is truly a spot? A spot is a leftover. It's something that keeps us receiving for what God has for us to do here on this earth. A spot is like a stain. Something, you know how to stain? You get a great white shirt and you get it stained, right? It drives you crazy. You're oxycleaning it, you're doing everything, but you can't get the stain out. A spot is like a target. A target is when you hone in on something and you want to shoot an arrow to hit it, you're wanting to hit the truth. You're wanting to hit the bullseye. You want to get the target. A spot is a position. It's a position that you choose to be in the world, but you have not learned the word of God to know that it's, it was, it's a lie. 
So a spot can be a position you've placed yourself in because you've believed in a lie, a place where the word of God is not at. Because why? We perish for lack of knowledge. We have to what? Gain the knowledge in Christ. So I'm just going to run down a few things about spots. I don't want to get too detailed in this, but these are just quick things to make yourself think. Spots cause us to look awake, but we're actually sleeping through life because we're blocked from the truth of the word. Spots anchor us to the world through lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life, which are of the world. Spots are targets for spiritual darts of Satan to attack us. They open us up to the lie. Spots give Satan claim the right to exercise his kingdom in our life. Spots are residue of deception. Therefore, the deceiver is attracted to the spot. Isn't that amazing? We, we, attract, we attract the world to us if we don't get our spots cleaned up. Spots give Satan back power that he was stripped of in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was resurrected, he overcame the powers of darkness. That is the beautiful gift that we receive in Christ. That, that Satan can't come back unless we invite him back in because it was already done. Spots keep you performing for man and not for God. Spots entice unstable souls. Spots keep us from being led into a future we have never known. Spots, I love this one, because I felt like this so much. Spots keep us being tossed to and fro, not knowing what to do, because we don't know the truth, or we don't understand where he's taking us, right? We feel tossed this way, this way, this way. We can't even make a decision. Spots attract all the counterfeit men and women to you, right? So the lie that's in us, that's usually who we attract. It's in them. Spots cause you to react out of emotions rather than respond out of the spirit. You know, if we surrender and submit everything unto God's word, we're actually going to start responding out of the spirit of that knowledge instead of the spot. Spots attract abusers over and over again, masking themselves with a different face. Spots keep you circling them at the same time. <laughs> you find yourselves attracted to the same kind of people, the same situations. Yeah, you know, you, you've heard it. If a, if a woman has been abused and beaten as a child, right, usually what happens? Who does she marry? An abuser, right? Because we're open to receiving that, not knowing the truth. So I love it. So... As we go on, this is awesome. The residue of deception is in our soul, our soul, our mind. It keeps us from receiving. Those spots keep us from receiving what God has for you. They are a place of disconnect. So any spot that we have in our soul is a place of disconnect. When we look at the chart of rejection, the six spots we're going to talk about tonight is sex for approval, man pleaser, materialism, not trusting, fears, and manipulation. Any of those words you can hear in your ear right now, and you have an understanding of those words. You have some experience with those words. And those words, there is something about those words that disconnects you from your relationship with Christ. It holds you back from knowing who you were, who you were born to be. Isn't that amazing? So there's things that we, and you know what? If you look here, this, this chart on the very top, 
says that rejection is called the blind spot. Why is it called the blind spot? Because you can't see it. There, we have worked the world so much and have gotten so used to certain cycles that there are spots we can't see about ourselves. But here's the clincher on this one. But everybody else sees it. Isn't that incredible? Everybody else sees that you have this. I was a big man pleaser in my business world. Man pleaser, man pleaser, man pleaser. I didn't want to deal with problems. So I was always going to correct them, even my own loss. But I wanted to correct them because I still wanted to make an other person happy. But at the same time, it was just I was feeling more rejected every time I did it because I really wasn't doing it out of being led by the Spirit. I was really doing it to try to stop myself from having to get into a conflict or having to talk to somebody, having to face them. So I love this. Our spots and our blemishes that we have, like man-pleasing, corrals with other man-pleasers. The Word says in 2 Peter 2.13, they are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. So isn't that incredible? If we have a blind spot that we don't see, but everybody else sees it, usually what's in somebody else is going to come what? Hang out with you. A man pleaser, another man pleaser is going to love me when I'm in my man pleasing because we're comforting each other. Oh, yeah, you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we feed each other. If you're a non-trusting person and you are attracting another non-trusting person, all you're doing is feeding each other. I don't trust that person. Yeah, I don't trust that person either. <laughs> and all you're doing is building what? A lie upon a lie upon a lie. And we keep feeding each other. And sometimes we have to really listen to what we say and the conversations that we're having. Because sometimes we're feeding the lie in someone else and we think we're enjoying it because a lie in us, we're just coming into agreement with it because it makes us feel better. But what makes us feel better if it's not backed up by the word and it's not real always comes to death. There's always a point that it comes to death. Jude 1.12 says, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear. This is how crafty the enemy is. You know there's two spirit worlds floating around us. Spirit of God, spirit of Satan. As you walk around, Satan's got his eye on you. He may not know everything that's coming to you and when it's coming to you, but he's got an eye on what you connect with him. He sees what we're connecting. And so he is gracious enough to bring people right in front of us to feed us, to keep us in our lie. Because you know what happens in relationships? When you love somebody and you love people and you love your children, you love them so much that you will be blinded. That you will be blinded. And so sometimes we get stuck in that blind spot and then we let other people feed it because we really don't want to talk about it. So it is awesome when we realize that we all have rejection. Everybody has rejection. Nobody, everybody in here is going to connect with something I'm going to talk about tonight. When I read you the symptoms and the defenses, you're going to start laughing at yourselves. I want to hear laughing. I want to hear people laugh when they connect with the one that they have. Jude 1.11 says, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. You know, I've really analyzed this sentence. For they, who's they? They are the spots. Woe to them. For they have gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. And they've perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, this is really cool. What's the way of Cain? Cain was a what? Murderer. 
All right? So Cain murdered because God, he felt God rejected his offering. So right here, what's the way of Cain? Rejection. <laughs> Murder. He started acting out because he got jealous. Jealousy, which is unforgiveness. That's a spot of unforgiveness. He was jealous of his brother. So it says, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Okay, that's, the Lord wants us to go his way, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. So we have to go away, but it's his way. But we walk out our lives sometimes getting caught in the snare of the fowler and walk in the way of Cain. And we may not physically murder somebody, but we can murder somebody with our what? Words. Right. We've got it going. It says, and we have run greedily to the heir of Balaam for profit. Balaam was a prophet that had a problem with greed. Okay, so sometimes we do things not for the knowledge of the word of for the knowledge of the word of God. Sometimes we do things because we think that's going to what? Profit us. And this is going to help me advance. Remember, hastily moving the feet in the world. We've all thought strategic. Oh, I'm going to take that job because it's going to pay me more money. I'm going to do this because this is going to do this for me. I'm going to go shopping for this person because they might pick up my bill. I'm going to do, you get what I'm saying? Conditions. We're swapping out. Sometimes we do things and we think God's telling us, but we're really doing it to try to make ourselves feel better. We have to truly learn how to submit our deeds and actions to him and do what he has asked us to do. Sometimes people will come to you and they might want you to lend them money and you might really have it. And you feel the spirit tell you, don't do it. Could you do it? Could you do it? Because it could give, you might feel, I don't want that person to think I'm what? Rejecting them. That's why we have to submit everything unto the, unto the spirit of the Lord. And then they perish in the rebellion of Korah. Korah represents rebellion. There are sometimes we do things and we do it because how many people have gotten instruction from a boss, a mother, a somebody of authority, and you really just didn't want to do it? Yeah, right. I see that. That's awesome. And you just didn't want to do it. And so you actually purposely didn't do it. Or you said, I'll do it later. And then you just, and you look and you can see in the eyes when a person doesn't want to do something that they're asked to do. Okay, so it's awesome. So we have to deal with these two spirits. Jude 1, Jude 1, 16 describes what these spirits do. It says, Jude 1, 16, they are grumblers. They are complainers. They walk in lust. They flatter to take advantage. They are mockers. And they cause, here's the big one, and they cause division. Division. What's causing division? Coming between something that God has for somebody else causing a division among people. You know, the one thing I love about this ministry, you're never going to come to any minister in this ministry, me, Zinni, Jean. Uh, that's terrible. Yeah, I couldn't think of your name. We, Carrie. Yeah, Whew, so hot up here. Carrie, we truly, where was I? Okay, we truly, when you come to us and you say, what am I supposed to do? You're not going to catch any one of us telling you what to do. And raise your hand if you know that already. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you to submit it to the Holy Spirit. 
We're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to teach the word. And if we know a word that might help you, great. But we're never going to say, you need to go do this. Because, you know, we would be setting up division. If I were to have advised somebody, which many of you, I've talked to people, I would never advise somebody what to do unless it didn't connect with the word. It's not my place to. You have to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord because your blueprint's different than my blueprint. Something that I may think you should do is not going to be what my life was allowed to do. But I can't say that, oh, no, don't give that person money because that, that's not, that person's not good. Or don't do that because they're not holy enough. Think about that. You can't do what another person advised you to do. You have to submit everything unto him. And he will tell you which way to go or he's not going to tell you any way to go. But these are the signs of those people, grumblers, complainers, walking in lust. They flatter, mockers. They cause division. Raise your hand if you've done that. Very good, because we've all done that. So keep in mind, before we go talking about these spots, your spirit has been washed. Your Holy Spirit is full of the light. That is the light in the center of that man. Your soul that is, your, that is your mind and your soul. It has not been washed because if it doesn't know the word of God, it's still groping in darkness. It's still trying to figure out, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Do I do this? What do I do? Okay, it's groping in darkness until it learns the truth. It contains the leftovers of the spots. So if your spirit is pure, but your, your mind has to be renewed, the word says our mind needs to be renewed day by day. We are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the light. So we are to have eternal life. It is accomplished in our spirit man. The moment we become born again, that person in the first spot has eternal life. Praise God. But he can have abundant life if he chooses to work out what is holding him back. If he takes every step, one step closer to working out that salvation, removing something that you've got to work out, one other step, you keep working out what God's got to work out of you. I'm not the same as Zinni. Zinni's not the same as Carrie. Charisse is not the same as Becky. We all have a different walk, but with the same understanding. We're trying to walk out our salvation. It says, if you abide in him and the word is in you, then what? Ask. And you're going to receive because the desire that you're asking for is going to be in alignment with his will and his word. So praise God. We are going to, I love this. Jesus said, you have to work out your salvation. It says right there, working out salvation. What does that mean? Salvation is the deliverance from evil. Sickness is evil. Kathy got delivered from what? Sickness. Because she decided to come into alignment as the Lord step made her steps. And it didn't feel good the way it came out, but it came out and now it cannot what? Return unless she decides to reconnect with that sickness. So praise God. He, Jesus said, you have to work out your salvation. Because what he starts on earth, he is going to finish it. He doesn't leave. If you are already born again, you're going to be miserable. If you decide to say, I'm going to take a break for a couple years, <laughs> you're going to be miserable because the whole purpose is to keep progressing, to keep moving, going from one level of glory to another level of glory. The awesome thing about glory is we're all experiencing the glory of God. If you are experiencing a change, a supernatural change, something that adds the super to what's naturally going on to your body, you are, you are walking in the glory. 
you are taking a step in growing and maturing in that understanding. Life, truth, and love in your spirit carries with it the destruction of evil, sin, and sickness. So just growing out your salvation and increasing the level of the life, the light, the truth, which is the word, and then the love that comes from the Father, that when we gain that in his presence, we are actually destroying evil, sin, sickness, demons. We are cutting it all out. Doesn't this motivating? Doesn't this make you want to assess what you've got going? Because you want to walk in the boldness of Christ, in him. And I keep saying in Christ, because we've got to grow up to understand that, just understand that. So praise God. We all have spots until they are washed by the spirit and the word. But I love this. Even when we get removed of a spot, say man-pleasing. I got clear to man-pleasing. That doesn't mean I'm not going to meet up with somebody else that has man-pleasing, right? And then all of a sudden the influence starts to hit me. (laughs) And if I start hanging out with it long enough, right, I can start picking up those same little actions again. We constantly have to be assessing ourselves. So the influences can keep us in bondage if we don't know how to identify. Remember, we are in an identity crisis. Our goal is to be changed from what's in the world to what's in Christ. The spots and the influences cover up. That's what it does. The spots want to cover you up from touching the truth. The way, the why, the why And the who we are in Christ or what we're trying to achieve. Why we were born and who we are in him. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And this is where I want to start walking. This part's going to be hard because I really want to pull the chart out. I just want everybody to see it. Okay. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Okay, that light in the born-again man, that is a treasure in an earthen vessel. Everybody has that power. That is the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is in us. In the earth, that the excellence, there's an excellence in this on the inside of us. An excellence. You know in the world when it says be excellent, you got to be perfect. You're working to make sure your hair looks perfect. You're working to make sure that, you know, you write a paper and don't miss a grammar mistake. You get what I'm saying? Like we're working the world things. And we're trying to make those things excellence when we've got to perfect the excellence that's in our earthen earthen vessel. The excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So if we are seeking this power in us through Jesus to get to the Father, he is going to start making it bloom. He's going to make it grow. And if you look down here on the chart... Yeah, it's okay. This is good. All right. These can be pointers. All right. I have to entertain myself on this. Okay. The treasure is the spirit, the excellence of God with the power within you. So this, this yellow, that is the spirit in you. So this is what this represents. All right. I love this. So in our earthen treasure, there is... The excellence of the power of God. All right. So I love this. This is black, right? You see this thick black band that goes around the earth and treasure? You see, as everybody see, this thick bland, bland, 
this thick, thick band. This represents a spot, okay? And so I like it. So how do we look? Okay. So I am the earthen treasure, and in me is a light, right? But I have a spot that's over me. So what can't get through the spot? The light. The light. All right. So what could this spot be? It could be sex for approval. I want love. It could be man-pleasing. It could be materialism. Okay? But whatever's in this spot is what the world has already taught me. Isn't that awesome? So we walk around with invisible umbrellas over our souls. Okay? Because our soul doesn't necessarily... We've got to connect with heaven, right? Where's heaven? Above the spot. <laughs> All right, we got to get this light in us to connect with the what? Light of heaven. We've got to connect. But if we have spots that we haven't worked out, then those are going to block, deceive us, bl blind us. You know, I love it. On the spot chart, you see how they go out like that? The sides? That's what happens when we react. I'm going to get into that. But everybody get this chart in this awesome chart? So, we have an excellence of God's power within us, but our, our spot of rejection is covering over our light. All right, now, the man up there in the black, that is Satan's prophet. That man works for Satan, and he's sitting on his what? Throne, all right? His job is to make sure that when the word of God is trying to connect with your spirit to change you, his job is to make sure that he sends somebody to ignite one of these spots, like materialism, man-pleasing, sexual approval. And the whole time, he's wanting you to think in the old way of thinking so that you can block the truth. Does everybody get this? All right, you're connecting with this? So there is something within... There's something, this broke. There's something, it's a bad spot. <laughs> it needs to be done with. We're going to use it again, though. All right. So, all right, I'm going to get to another level on this. Hold on. You can laugh with me about the crutches. I have to name them. Okay. All right. The blind spot. Rejection blinds us from the kingdom at hand. Every person in here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand to connect with the kingdom of God within you. It is a part of us we cannot see, but others can see. And these are the defenses, sex for approval. How do you know you have sex for approval? Because you're experiencing tainted elements of perversion. That is the evidence that you have sex for approval. That means you're thinking about stuff that you shouldn't be thinking about. You're looking at stuff you're supposed to be not be supposed to be looking at because it fulfills your flesh, not your heart. A man pleaser, the defense of man pleasing, its evidence is working to impress and gain acceptance when you're trying to do something that's not right. You're trying to avoid something so you man please. So the evidence is you work to impress to gain another's love. Again, 
satisfying the flesh, not the heart. Materialism. Materialism is a person who buys and buys and buys. And they have gone into debt to buy because they think every time they get that new, fresh something, whether it be a car, whether it be clothes, whether it be what it is, you are building up a debt that God never asked you to have because he says he will supply all things to you, but you have to wait on him. But we are in a world of what? Moving our feet very swiftly, hastily, that ends up putting us in sin. Non-trusting. The evidence is self-reliance. I have to change this page too. The evidence is self-reliance. Okay, that was definitely me. I had a lot of that. Nobody else could do for me but me because I trusted me. And I trusted everybody so much, only to a certain level, but I didn't trust them with me. Okay? So non-trusting is a very insecure place where you have suspicion of others. All right? And we've all been there. We've all had elements because we've all been rejected. Because when you get rejected, that sets you up for that. All right, then we have fears. Okay, everybody can relate to this. What is the evidence of fear? Torment. We are tormented in our soul. We're only in torment because we don't know the word of God. Anytime you're, there is a place that the word of God is not at, you are going to be in torment in making that decision. How many people have had to make a decision about something and they didn't even know how to submit it to the Holy Spirit? And they just were tossed to and fro and they, oh my gosh, what do I do? Because you didn't, the, the, the spirit and the soul were not at peace. There wasn't a level of peace connected because the word wasn't there. The only peace is the word in place. That is the only peace. We say peace is chief in this ministry. But we don't want to get caught up in the false peace. All right. So then there's manipulation, our fears. We fear rejection. We fear man. We have anxieties, worries, right? We get depression. Fear draws us to put in depression because we, depression is you're in a place where you truly don't know where you're going. So the enemy loves to just keep adding on that depression, adding on that depression because you don't know where you're going. Manipulation. Manipulation. The evidence of manipulation is, oh, it's control for what? I forgot to write that one word down. Advantage, right. Being in control, I had control for, and then I didn't have anything. Being in control for your advantage. When we are rejected, we start taking that control position, and we start working out what is our advantage. How many people have done that? Oh, they hurt me. That's it. I'm, doing, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. You are taking control for your own advantage, thinking that you're protecting yourself, but you just rejected somebody else. So praise God. I'm going to read you a list of symptoms, and I want everybody in here. These are all examples of all of these spots, and I want everybody to think, hmm, what have I done? Okay? I call these the common symptoms of rejection. Rejection is an unloving spirit, okay? It can only connect with your flesh. It can't connect with your heart. So common symptoms are when you're in the wilderness. So any of these symptoms that I'm telling you, and if you have enacted on them, that was a time in your life or a moment that you are, were in the wilderness. Okay, is everybody ready? Okay, I'm excited about this because I had a lot of this. I have some of it. Okay, 
when you see rebellion in your children and adults around you. Second, fabricated personalities. You're a person being somebody you are not in order to be accepted. So sometimes we pretend to be something that we're not because we want to be accepted so bad, we are going to fabricate and play the part. I'm just checking out, see who's smiling. Because smiling means you're supposed to, this is the time we're going to laugh at ourselves. Okay? We are to laugh at ourselves when we've played a part or we've created the part, but it really wasn't what we were supposed to do. We fabricated it. Because why? We didn't want to be rejected. Okay. Tendency to reject others. This is a symptom. We tend to reject others so that you are not the first one to be rejected. Okay, I love that. I love that. Because sometimes you'll avoid something. Now, I love this because I'm one of six kids. And, you know, I mean, I know how it is with my brothers and sisters when we get together. There's, you know, for a long time, I wanted to avoid my one sister. So I would avoid her so I wouldn't have to deal with her, right? I was actually rejecting her. I said, <laughs> so that she wouldn't reject me first. I laugh at that because, I mean, she was real smart in school, valedictorian, went to the Naval Academy. She exhausted me, her conversation sometimes. So I would, because <laughs> I was dumb and not the smart one, you know? And, um, but it's funny when I look at this, I would be in the, at a function, I would avoid where she would be at. Praise God, I love you, Laurie. You know, I mean, I love my sister, but it's so awesome because I was rejecting her, which in turn caused her to actually fabricate a personality that wasn't real. Isn't that incredible how we do that? Just because we don't want to be rejected by a person. How many times have you been at a Christmas function? Let's hit the holidays because the holidays is when you're in a room with a bunch of people that you're dealing with rejection and you've got to deal with those people and you don't want to deal with it. You're like, oh, I'll go in the other room. I'll catch the veggie dip, right? So we deal with those things. We are, so we're not the first to be rejected. We already, put the, we already put the umbrella out. Boom. I do not want to deal with that person. I'm putting myself in that place. Next one. The need to fit in or be accepted by others and to be a part of everything and have to know everything that's going on. How many times have you gotten in a job, been in a place, and you just feel like you have to know everything? You have to know what's going on, know what's being said, because you'll be rejected if you're not in the know, right? You want to be in the loop. Why do you want to be in the loop? Because you're protecting a lie somewhere. And in that lie, you know you'll be rejected. Isn't this awesome? Okay, so think about it. Think about how many, I'm laughing at myself. I had so much fun writing this stuff out. I'm just laughing like it came from my center because we actually fall into these ways and God did not call us on this world to reject each other. But what do we do? It says, love one another as I have loved you. Well, Jesus definitely didn't reject me, right? So we're walking around with these little umbrellas plopping out, pushing people away, pushing people away, pushing people away. That's how I was visually seeing it. It's like having them bro, boom. Becky, get out of here, right? Boom, you know? Okay, so we do it to fit in and be accepted thinking we know it all. But knowing it all in the, wor in the world is not gaining acceptance in Christ. It's not in Christ. Self-pity, this is a good one. Where a person feels bad 
when they receive, oh, self-pity, where a person feels bad for themselves being all alone. <laughs> okay, come on. How many people, okay, as you, the, everybody has experienced aloneness. There isn't anybody in here that hasn't experienced aloneness. I remember being in college. I think I graduated. And I was living on the top floor of the funeral home. My dad owned funeral homes. And there was a Christmas tree. <laughs> and I had nobody I didn't, my parents, I didn't even know where they were at because they weren't mentally right. I just looked at the Christmas tree with no presents, right? Singing, where are you, Christmas? <laughs> I love that. I heard that song the other day. I remember that. Where are you, Christmas, right? There's no Christmas. So we get ourselves into self-pity. I can't tell you how many times I sat on Christmas and looked at a beautiful tree and felt like I am so alone. I can't even begin to tell you that because I married a man who was deployed all the time. And I didn't have family. Christmas is not exciting to me. <laughs> I'm definitely not idolizing the Christmas tree. <laughs> and just to top it off, just to make you all laugh, but it, when I was younger, I got a D in biology, two, semester, two report periods, and my parents actually said I couldn't have Christmas. So I sat upstairs and heard Christmas and didn't get a present. And I'd have to tell you, I don't care about you really. You know, I, I know that I you just... That set me up to not care about Christmas. Do you get what I'm saying? My Christmas came when I had Rachel because I wanted to make it exciting for her. And so this year I didn't want a Christmas tree, but that girl goes out and cuts it down a tree. <laughs> she drags it in the house, half decorated, you know. And then I told her, I told her, I did tell her, I, didn't, I don't care about a Christmas tree. But when she brought it in and I watched her put it and it fell four times, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I said, Rachel, I love you and I love that Christmas tree. So think about this. Think how rejection already gets put into us. So I self-pity built in me of thinking that I'm alone. And then I became okay with being alone. Because, you know, in rejection, we will withdraw ourselves. Because we're self-reliance. I can just protect myself. All right, here we go. Another one. Inability to be corrected or receive constructive criticism. Sometimes when somebody's trying to constructively tell us something to improve ourselves, whether in the wor word or in the world, you know somebody that has severe rejection when they get offended at receiving it. How many times has somebody said it and you felt like offended, like, oh, you did it better than that, or you did it, you had a better understanding? So it's an inability to receive correction. Rejection creates an environment where you are starved for love or just do not, or you just do not fit in. You always feel like you don't fit in because you're so starved for that attention. Everywhere you go, I just don't fit into that group. I don't fit into this group. I don't fit into that. Rejection is a tendency to blame God. Why was I created this way? Why do I have this problem? Why do I look this way? Why did I have to be whatever racial color I am? Think about it. We've said, why me? Why me? We actually have the, descendant, the, the tendency to blame God for a beautiful creation that he has created for his purpose. So we actually reject God because why? We have that symptom of saying, why me? Why do I look this way? Why do I act this way? Why do I have this? Why did this happen to me, right? Okay. Rejection. Pride says, how dare they reject me? Come on, think about it. When have you had a moment where somebody rejected you and you said, how dare they reject me? Right? 
you get mad because they rejected you. Opinionated personalities. Opinionated personalities oh, need to be right about things. They always got to be right. They can never just say, hey, I didn't get that. I did it wrong. They've always got to be right. They have to be right, and they tell you even when they do not know what's right, but they're still telling you how to do it. I got that right now with my daughter. She still tells me how to do it, right? But the one thing I have definitely learned is don't give opinions, just give options. I learned that really quick when I started working with Jean. Don't come to Jean with opinions. <laughs> come to Jean with options because my opinions don't mean anything. Our opinions don't mean anything. The word that backs up what our choice and what we're saying, that's what means something. So believe it or not, we want to tell everybody our what? Opinion, and we're almost putting out rejection when we should be putting out the what? The options, the solutions. So, all right, rejection, feelings of worthlessness, insecurity or hopelessness. We've all been there, right? You've all had those feelings. Rejection, seeking a parent's approval is a sign that you're basing your identity upon what they think of you. How many, is there anybody in here whose parents said, you're going to grow up and become a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. And that's what they expected you to be. My mother still suffers rejection because when, they, when she was born, they said, you're going to be a nurse. You're going to be a nurse. She became a nurse. She hated being a nurse, but she was a nurse and did it very unhappily all her life. I love that. There are so many signs of our parent approval that we want to become what they want us to become. We constantly feel like that failure that we've never become that. So then we in turn orient rejection because I love this religious parents that want you to be whitewashed tombs. You better be clean. You don't do this. Don't get a tattoo. Oh my God, you just ruined your body. You know what I mean? Everything you're feeling the failure, you're feeling the rejection of not being what they wanted you to be because deep down, your parents are your first touch of life, right? Mills wants to look up to his mom and dad and do everything his mom and dad wants him, that little baby there. He's going to want them, but when he says no to you the first time, you're going to think, how disrespectful. And then you're going to tell him, by accident, you'll say something, and you'll be like, I can't believe I just said that. So you look at these things. Our parents have already set a little pace for us of what they think that we should be. How about... I, when somebody thinks they have to go to an Ivy League school and they grow up thinking they have to do that and they barely have the grades to get in, but they get in because of their parents pushing. I love that. The feet hastily moving in the world, pushing us into something that was never of God for us. All other spots are rooted in rejection. Our unforgiveness, unforgiveness is anger, bitterness, complaining. It's rooted out of rejection, shame, What's in the shame chart? Masking. I know that some people have not been here for the other charts, but shame is rebellion, pride, controlling, cursing, deception, masking, self-centeredness. These are other spots that all come out of rejection. Hey, when somebody rejects you and you curse them back, right? You think you're doing okay because that's what they did to you. And so we learn that wrong behavior. Fear of confrontation. And there's only two more left. Fear of confrontation. Your identity is based upon what they think of you. How many people have been in a confrontation? All you're doing is trying to convince that person how good you are, 
right? How you're right and you're not wrong. And you're not even listening to what they're saying because it comes to a point where they just become invisible to you. <laughs> you don't want to soak it in. All right. And how many times as a man pleaser have we become a fixer? We are a fixer trying to be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love that one. We are trying to be the Holy Spirit, right? In other people's lives where they have no authority in your life. How many people have come to you trying to fix your life and saying, they know the Holy Spirit. They know what God showed them. Come on, right? If you're in any type of thing, I know that you've had that experience. Where you're trying to tell other people what to do. That's why I said in this ministry, you're never not going to get one of us four ministers to ever tell you what to do. We're going to tell you how to stick to the word and go to him. We're not going to tell you what to do. You have to make that agreement and that choice. Because whatever, if you agree with a curse, then you're going to experience what? A curse. If you're going to agree with a blessing, what are you going to experience? A blessing. Okay? So, but you've got to go. The authority is already in you. The treasure in the earthen vessel is already in you to tell you everything you need to do, everything you need to do day by day. So, they want people, fixers, they want people to come to them for help and advice or they'll feel rejected because they didn't come to them. Isn't that incredible? That's why people do that. They just want people to come to them because that's why they don't feel rejected. Praise God. Isn't this awesome? Okay. So we are definitely, we've talked about the defenses. We've talked about the evidence. And now we've talked about the symptoms. So what are the three, there's three ways we react to rejection. All right. And now think of yourselves. Have you done this? The first reaction to rejection, we turn to another for love. We turn to another to solve our problem. We turn to another for money. We turn to another to, for somebody to say a good word to us, to man please. We turn to another for things, materialism. We turn to another instead of turning to God. The second way is we withdraw ourselves for love. We withdraw ourselves because we're like, I'm going to love myself. I don't need anybody, and I don't need God because I can take care of myself. I can pay my own bills. I can work my job, and nobody has to love me because I'm going to love myself. Okay. But that's wrong because that's self-reliance, and we have to be interdependent with God. He doesn't want us to be dependent on people. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us to trust, rely, and know that he is our God. And then he'll send a person in line to maybe help us. He'll send those things if we go to him first. And the last is we perceive rejection. Now, everybody's heard the word perception, right? Okay. Perception is reality. So Tom and Brenda's perception is their reality. It's not my reality. Perception is what the enemy comes in. And he tries to create something to be your reality to hold you back. All right? And you then come into agreement with it. And once you came into agreement with it, you've now perceived something. If it's not backed up by the word of God, you've just connected yourself with a lie. So how do we react to problems of rejection? We either run to somebody else before we run to God. We withdraw ourselves, me, 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 self, self, self. Or we perceive the rejection, receiving something as rejection when it really isn't. Think about this. How many people have called out a rejection 
that somebody did to you, and it really wasn't that real. It's just exaggerated. But you made it your perception. You made it your, you made it, you made it law. <laughs> you made it as, hey, you've heard the word. If it's repeated a couple times, then it's what? The truth? How many times have we created a truth that was a total lie? Because we just wanted to make ourselves feel better. So, rejection builds to the point of murder. We actually start going in the way of Cain. We start doing things that profit. We start doing things of rebellion. We do it in the way of Cain so that we try not to identify our real truth. When does rejection develop? The cause is very simple. It starts when you're in your mother's womb. Everybody, you know, your parents are already speaking things when you're in your mother's womb. And when you are young, everybody in here was born a little baby like Mills. Mills has no idea about the world or he just, he probably remembers heaven, but he has no idea what's going to happen to him in this world. He's got parents to protect him. And see, he's vulnerable to be rejected because we haven't dealt with our own identity. Think about that. Anything that's in Rachel has to do with me. Because I didn't, if she has something that's not, that has to do with rejection, then there's something in my identity that I passed right down onto her. So when we're young, we're vulnerable because to rejection because our identity is still being built. If we would just raise our kids in the word, man, imagine Mills is going to be up here teaching us the word at 10 because his world is going to be formed by the word. He's going to know that a Holy Spirit exists in him. He's going to know that there is a power in the word connecting with the spirit vessel within. So seeds are planted. They're either of love and peace or they're either of sin and death. Seeds are constantly going in a young little child and then they form into what they are. So we have to be careful that when we, you know, are around little children, you need to take in really consideration what things you're saying what ways we're acting, how we're being, because we could be feeding a seed that hasn't bloomed yet. It will bloom later. You think, oh, not a big deal. I actually know. I have, I have a relative that actually taught all her children to curse at a young age. And they thought it was funny to sit them there and say these words. And I had to back out. I couldn't let, my, I couldn't let Rachel hang around because it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right when the little kids said certain things because those were seeds that were planted. So we also deal with the influence when we get close to somebody. Remember, when you get, there's nothing wrong with being close to people. But I loved it at Rachel's high school graduation. The guy said, you're going to go to college, you're going to room with somebody, and you're either going to become that person or that person's going to become you. That's influences. It says, close, when you draw close to a person and you get into a deeper relationship with them, that there is a rejection that can influence you based on their rejection. And it can, it can come out. So raising kingdom children is very important. So we're going to hit the last part of this. I'm going to need some help here. I'm going to demonstrate something that's really awesome. It's about love, truth, and light. Everybody looks on this vision, you see light, truth, and love. All right. Does everybody see it? Okay. There's light. Rejection is at its full force. That is a meter, a measuring stick of how much rejection's working in you. So as the enemy comes towards you, bringing manipulation, fears, non-trusting, all of it, boom, the spot rises up. So, and then the, 
The enemy is sitting on his what? Throne. All right? But why did it happen? Why did his throne elevate to that high level? Because love, truth, and light were coming near. Ephesians 5.13 says, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. So I love this. If, and this is the best way for me to describe it, love is the father. He is the giver of all true love working through faith. So when we're experiencing the father, we are working through faith to experience his love. And so that's love. Father God wants to get love to us. He wants to be the giver of all good things to us. The truth is Jesus. Jesus Christ, he is our own identity. That is the identity we're supposed to come into one with, being formed in us. What's being formed in us? The word of God. So as the word of God is being formed in that earthen vessel, and then that that umbrella is being broken down, broken down, broken down, it's wanting to connect with what? Love of the Father. It's wanting to connect with the truth of the word. And then there's the light. The light is the Holy Spirit. The light is the Holy Spirit says, let me show you. When it says here, but all things are exposed or made manifest by the light. What is made manifest by the light? When you hear the word of God and boom, you feel your spirit, right? What is that feeling? Conviction. Oh my God. Or you connected with the truth. But then all of a sudden you might react in what? Man pleasing. You might react in what? Going shopping and buying yourself things because you don't want to deal with what is being exposed, what's trying to be removed in the soul. So the Holy Spirit, when it, it wants, it says, show me. Our, if we are submitted to God and we invite the Holy Spirit into everything we do, we're telling, what are we saying? Show me. Show me because it is with me. Okay, it, the Holy Spirit, it is with you at all times. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up today and then maybe a couple days later. He is there all the time. You know, I could sit at my desk and we get an offer on a property. I sit there and I ask the Holy Spirit. Now, there's sometimes he doesn't give me the answer at that time, but I feel him. I know he's there and he's there to give us the answers. If I don't know what to do about something, I submit it to what? I have to submit it to God through the Holy Spirit. Right. And that is the precious gift that we have received because it convicts us because why? For whatever made manifest is light. Light is the truth. So if he manifests materialism, then guess what? You've got materialism and it's time for it to be what? Broken. It's time for it to be cut down. Everybody in here is going to leave with a passage of verses that tells you what to meditate on. If you know you're a buyer, 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 and that fills your tank. Well, then we've got verses for you. You start meditating on those verses and you start confessing them out loud by the Holy Spirit. You invite the Holy Spirit in. You confess. Guess what's going to happen? Materialism is going to manifest. You're going to feel like shopping. Okay? If we're getting rid of sickness, Kathy's going to what? Take more drugs. Right? Because she's going to, the man, the light of the truth is going to manifest what's not of the light, but it's time for it to what? Be exposed by the light. So it can be cut down and it can be done. So think about this. Rejection is not the sin. Our reaction, our defenses to rejection 
can be a serious sin. We put ourselves in that position to sin because we're embarrassed about rejection, but rejection's not the sin. The reaction to rejection becomes the sin. It becomes that cause. So, all right, I need three people that have little lights on their little iPhones. You have three little lights? Huh? Yeah, little lights on their phone. And then Todd, put up Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. We're almost done. You guys have been really patient. Has this been too long? Are you all captivated by the word? Okay. You all recognizing your rejection that we're all going to be healed from? Praise God. Okay, three people. All right. Let me decide who's going to be who. All right, Sharice, you are going to be the father. You are going to be the love. So put your phone up the highest. All right. Carrie, you can be Jesus. So yours is the truth. Put your light, face it towards me. That'd be good. Actually, you guys get all next to each other. That'd be good. Be like the poster. Love, truth, and light. Okay. So now, Wendy, you're the Holy Spirit. You're going to say, show me, ask me, ask me. Can you say, ask me, ask me. Right. <laughs> Carrie, you're supposed to say, we, uh, you're supposed to say, <laughs> I'm being formed in you. I'm being formed in you. Right. Okay. And the father says, I want to give you love. I want to give you love. Okay, great. All right. Come on up, Kristen. And you're going to, yep, come on up, Kristen. You're going to experience love, truth, and light, right? And I need those verses. I need a page of those verses really quick. Yeah. Here you go. Here's your light. I'll let you be different. Okay, and you need to get the umbrella here. Okay, this is really how the Lord visualized it. Can you get the umbrella right there? Be great. All right. These are verses that we're gonna, you're going to go home with tonight. And in these verses, they break down what the truth is about sex for approval, what the truth is about man-pleasing, materialism, non-trust. The truth of the word is here. And if you take this home and you identify, I'm a man-pleaser, then you're going to start reading these man-pleasing, and you're going to be like Kristen. Come on up. Okay. I'm getting good with these. Okay. All right. I'm going to be like, hold on. Hold that for a second. All right. Kristen is a young lady that is born of the Spirit, so put your light in the center. Very good, right? She's born again, but yet she suffers. She suffers fear. She has a lot of fear, right? Be fearful. <gasps> right. Okay. And she believes that she's never going to get married. She believes that she's never going to have a job. And she believes that nothing's going to work out for her. Why are you telling all these people my business? <laughs> oh, I'm not. This is just an example, you know. You're young, right? Okay. So fears are keeping going. They're keeping going and they're keeping. And she keeps hearing them in her mind, right? So she is an earthen vessel with the treasure of the Holy Spirit. But she's not asking the Holy Spirit right? So she comes in touch with the word, okay? Love starts coming closer to her, the light. Yeah, face the light at her, okay? So love is coming close to her. The word is coming close to her. And what else is coming close? Light, truth, and love. All of a sudden, this is way too much light for her, right? Back up, <laughs> right? Boom. She is blocking her spirit from receiving the love. She is blocking her receipt from receiving the word of Christ. Right. And they are being, she's working it, right? She is blocking the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? But then something in her says, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Holy Spirit. Help me with my fear. Help me with my fear. Right. And then the Holy Spirit brings to her light these words. The first one says, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Right. So there it tells us what the lie is. Keep going. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So she says to herself, there is no fear in love, and love is coming close to her. Well, so now all of a sudden, her umbrella is weakening. You have to hold the paper. <laughs> this is fun. So her umbrella starts weakening because she's confessing the word. Keep confessing the word. Yeah, go ahead. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Right, so you start confessing it out. Go to the next one. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, the more she talks about it, the more it's coming to her. And now what's happening to this, what's happening to this defense? It's getting weaker. It's getting weaker. But then now stop reading the word. You're, you just don't read the word, right? So you give up on the word. Boom. You haven't gotten healed from the defense yet, so it comes up. But now speak the word again. Really killed this. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Right. Keep going. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Right. And so when she, that word becomes one in the kingdom of God, and she receives it from the kingdom of heaven, and she receives the light. The light connects with her what? Light. The light, she's being, Christ is being formed in her. Her light is now increasing. Because when light touches light, what? It grows brighter. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, she is working all the three. And now, this is what? Done with. And now, oh my God, the explosion. Lots of light. <laughs> right? And she's experienced the word. Now she's become the word. And then the love of the word, she's going to share with everybody. <gasps> There's no fear. Oh my gosh, I have my job. I have my husband. I have everything. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay? So all this is at hand. When we start confessing the word and breaking down the spot, man, it all comes close. There's no rejection. Hug each other. Right. We're all unified. All right. It's awesome. It's a we thing, not an I thing. So now, thank you very much. Was that cute? Okay. So it becomes a we thing, not an I thing. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God. Jesus is the living word and we need the father's love. You put that in the big package when it starts drawing close and one of those things start, you start going shopping, you start man pleasing, you start finding someone to sleep with. Okay. You know, I mean, if you start doing all those things, just know when it starts manifesting, it's time for it's what deliverance because Jesus came to what help us walk out our salvation. Our salvation is for deliverance. The word God says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Todd, go to Psalms 27.10. I will he will never, the light didn't leave her. Even though the block was on, the light never what? Left her. She had to start walking out her salvation in Christ. It says, when my father and my mother forsake me, because the cause of rejection really comes from our growing up, right? Starts in our mother's womb. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will what? 
take care of me. We're all taken care of. We don't have to rely on a mother and a father. We have a father in heaven who wants to bring us and align us with him. So don't, stop worrying about what your mom said, what your mom do, not getting a Christmas. Where is Christmas, right? That's all gone. That's dumb, right? Because the father, once I get into connection and our lights connect, he says he will take care of me. We've got to have confidence that he doesn't leave us nor he forsakes us. And we have to have confidence that he doesn't leave us. So with all that being said, we are to live in the kingdom of love and acceptance. We've got to practice accepting people, accepting them. We have to practice loving them. We have to practice hugging them. We have to practice encouraging them. In fact, if you can think of anybody that you can feel that rejection, run and hug them. I have it where I'll, I'll go past a person just to hug them because even if they don't want to receive it, they're going to receive it. A life of victory in Jesus Christ. Everything we have it already in our spirit. It's already with us. We have to activate it out. It is his word of God that keeps you in spirit. That means you've got to be in the word every day. You've got to build up that bank of the word so that your spirit can press it out in due season through obedience, which leads to the salvation of our soul. You know, Peter, I think it's one nine. It says that we are to receive the end of our faith. And the key word in that verse is receive the end of our faith. We want to be able to receive the promise God has set in front of us, which is the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to connect with that and live it on abundant life. So this is awesome. He, Jesus, right, came. He was one with the Father. He defines who we are by bringing back to your remembrance his word. Okay, I love this. Every Remember, we're not of this world. So we already really know the word of God, believe it or not. It's already packed in there. We have to bring it back to our what? Remembrance. So here we go. Todd, we're going down the last list. If you want to know who you are, you're, we're going to show you in the word who you are. Ready? Because it's his word is the living word with power when it connects. So I want everybody to connect with who they are right now. We are not rejected. We are accepted and we are full of love. Number one, John 3, 1 says, behold, that matter of, manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So we behold the manner of love, which is what the father has bestowed on us. We are vessels of love. He already born us to be love. Don't you all feel in love? Okay. We are to be love because we are the children of God. So the world doesn't know us. The world doesn't know love because it did not know him. Isn't that powerful? Okay. Next one. Romans 8, 17. Know who you are. If children, right? We're children. We already, that was the last verse, right? If children, because it's a choice to come into your identity. If children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with who? Christ. So everything that Christ experienced, we, we get that. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. It is awesome when love, truth, and light come near your little light and you lose that spot, boom. You have just glorified the father in his way. 
not the way of Cain, in the way of God, in the way he's trying to show it to you. Ephesians 2, 6, know who you are. And raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. If we are in Christ, then we're what? With Christ, and Christ wants to work through us. So we are made to sit together. We're friends. We, we, we commune. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ because we are raised up with him. If we work out what's holding us back, we are going to experience a, re- a resurrection every time, a resurrection every time. And you're going to know who you are, a child of God. We are, we are of own to Jesus Christ. We are him. We can, we can live that same image in that same character. But we've got to recognize that God wants us to be in that order. He wants us to set us that way. Ephesians 1.3, know who you are. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That means he wants to what? Not curse us. He wants to bless us. We have to, I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm sitting in a, a what? Heavenly places with the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He wants to give us. Romans 3.22 says, even the righteous of God through faith in Jesus. Now he tells us, it's got to be what? Through faith in Jesus to all and on all who what? Believe, for there is no difference. That means I have to confess the word I have to believe in that word. I have to meditate on that word. I have to worship God. I have to still identify this. But it says, for there is no difference. Everybody else has to do the same thing. When we come to Christ, we have to what? Believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he was raised again, the son of God, and that we have been sinners and he has what? Taken away our sin. So we have to believe that there is no difference even though, I love this, we're equal opportunity, but not all equally created. Equal opportunity means we all get to be heirs with Jesus Christ. We're already born to be heirs and not of this world. But we all have to kind of do it in the same. We have to do it in the same. We have to be able to confess and believe and work out what's holding us back. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith because we have to do it, what? Through faith. Without faith, faith, we cannot please God. Having our hearts, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure water, the word and the Holy Spirit have got to work together so that we can, what? The evil has to leave. That residue walking out our salvation has to go and the light increases. What do we receive? We receive more of him. When that spot goes, You've got more of him. You know who you are. You know what you've got to do. Psalms 103.12, we're almost done. Says, as far as the east is from the west. That's a big difference, right? As far as the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. So know who you are. That means he's already what? Removed. He's already removed the power of sin from you. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care what happened to you anymore. He wants you to get in him so you can move forward. Hebrews 8.12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember what? No more. So anything that we've done in ignorance 
to the knowledge of our understanding in Christ, he already lets us know he's going to be what? Merciful. And he is going to do that. He is going to remove our sins. He's not going to take account of our lawless deeds. He will remember it no more. We have to know and believe that. That's how you start getting changed in rejection. When you start believing that you're not to be rejected because of your past. You're not to hold on to what you experienced before. You're not to, not to worry about how somebody else treated you. Because in Christ, he gives you a boldness. He gives you a confidence. Even the song we sang, we are to enter in what? Boldness to the throne. We are to enter in and know that we have this place with him so that we can, we can overcome the enemy. And the last one, John 17, 23, says, I in them and you in me. I love this. Together we're a family, right? Okay. I in them, you in me, and they may be made perfect in one. And that the world, I love this whole thing about the world, that the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. That, I'm going to read it one more time. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfect and one. That the world may know that you have sent me. That God has sent Christ. And have loved them. That's us. As you have loved me. We can't, we can't walk in that kind of love until we get rid of the spots, until we, we recognize that we weren't born to be rejected. We were born to exude the Father's love. We were ex- born to be accepted because we were already accepted in him. Isn't this awesome? So receiving the end of your faith is the salvation, the deliverance from the evil that has already been put into you by the world. And so that's part of the overcoming that God has called us all to. We are of the generation after Christ. And so he came to fulfill the law. We can't fulfill the law. We're supposed to walk in what he started for us. And so it's beautiful because he reminds us that we have to identify the spot, submit that spot to the word of God. And I've given you, if anybody has any of these spots, I've given you the word of God to take home tonight. Submit. If you know you have any of these rejections, just Ask for his forgiveness, submit to the word, but identify it. Don't identify other people. Identify yourself. Think of the symptoms I told you. If you ever acted in any one of those ways, there's something to be identified. And then your restoration will come. You will experience the spot like the umbrella being taken away. And sometimes it'll feel like it flares up and it comes down, but as you get tested, it will be wiped away. I am not a man pleaser anymore. It's terrible. I'm now the complete opposite. I don't, I, I want to do the right thing, but I don't feel the need to have to man please somebody. And I'm not afraid to sit and face the person before I would do everything to try to cover it up. So that's because I've been healed. I've been restored by the word of God. And then you can ultimately live the abundant life that Christ died for you to receive. He died for us to receive this ultimate process of walking out his glory. And so praise God, rejection is really, we can overcome it because we're never to have it. He already died for us not to have unforgiveness, shame, or rejection. He died for the forgiveness of sins. 
He came not for us to be in shame, but to be proud of the Christ in us, to be proud to walk this out and learn the word and worship him, exalt him. And then he puts us into acceptance where then now that bottom row is a person that honors people, honors God, accepts others. There is no rejection. So it's beautiful. Praise God. Does anybody have any questions? Did you understand the chart? Did you understand how it worked? I know there's some new people here, so I didn't know. Did you understand? Okay, good. Yeah, it's not right. Rejection is not our rejection. It's what the world gave us. And the world, Satan is the prince of air. He is the one that's, he has created the world element. Yes. Yes, the rejection comes from when Satan was rejected. Yes, and so that's what he's working on that in the world. So praise God. Awesome. Any other questions? Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you with our whole heart, our soul, and our body. Lord, thank you tonight for this teaching of rejection. Thank you for showing us that your love is unconditional. Lord, we thank you for your son who came and was who came as your son to show us the way so that we recognize that we are of his own. And Lord, we want to identify with that truth of love and acceptance. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the spirit that is within us that wants to tell us and show us and comfort us and guide us in all things. Lord, we thank you for this time and we thank you for this fellowship and we thank you for the beautiful process of walking out our salvation. We thank you for the deliverance that we've experienced. I thank you for the deliverances that will happen after this lesson is taught. And Lord, I just know that you are the awesome teacher and that you have given us this word to bring back to our remembrance. So Lord, we thank you, we honor you, and we glorify you. And Lord, as we leave here today, we will accept you with all our praise and all our words. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand up, give the Lord a big hand. Of praise.